people as we begin to study your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit engages us, illumines us, helps us to see and understand the truth of your word. Father, help us to understand the truth before us here this morning. That we might put it to practice in a way that brings glory to you, that lifts high the name of Jesus. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you may be sitting here this morning or watching our live stream or listening at our podcast or our website. And perhaps you or somebody you care about has really loaded in their Christian life. I mean, just enormous self-destruction. Bad, bad decisions. And you want them to lose their salvation. I mean, can you be bad enough? Can you just make enough little errors mistakes, rebellions, here and there, to lose it all that Jesus has given to you? When I lose my phone and my watch and my glasses and where do I put my ring? Jesus, what about yourself? What we're talking about here this morning is, is the security of the believer in Christ. term is often referred to as eternal security. It is the belief that a person who trusts in Jesus Christ and is therefore justified by faith will, without exception, without exception, enter into the eternal kingdom of God. Is it true or is it not? Well, we're going to study the scriptures here this morning, and we're going to study what, what is our great salvation. What is the nature of our salvation? Are we secure? Or in our darkest moments, can we blow it all? I've watched men and women do that in their lives, on a basketball court, in an office. Bad decisions. And they lose it all. What about when it comes to you and I in the past? Well, first I want to look at a couple of reasons that people think that they can lose their salvation. These are a couple of reasons why people think that their own salvation is in jeopardy, and they need to do whatever it is to hold on. I mean, anecdotal evidence, you know, people, well, you know, when I was in high school, there was this guy there, and he was on fire for the Lord, and that guy went out to college, and he worked in this ministry, and, and these great things were happening in his life, and I saw him the other day, and I asked him about it. He says, oh, oh I'll go to church anymore. Did he lose his salvation? What's the deal there? And we might be tempted to think, because of that experience, it is possible maybe one day we would just walk away. Hmm. I think a second reason people think that they can lose their salvation is a misunderstanding of their salvation. The ultimate question is this. What are you trusting in? You know, we, we talk about the uh, illustration of standing at the gates, and there's St. Peter, 
You know, and he says, hey, why should we let you in? Well, what's your answer? Well, you know, I went to church a lot, and I always gave, and just bucked it, you know. What do you trust in? I mean, what is the basis of your hope that you will spend an eternity with God? There's really two ways to answer that. A phrase that begins with, I'm saved because I, and then followed by something you've done. Or something you never do. Well, I never do this, so I must be, you know, I'm better than those other people. It's a bad basis, my friends. The right answer is, I'm saved because God saved That is the answer. You're going to see this as we study this morning. And so we've looked at reasons that people think they can lose their salvation. But what we're going to look at is the teaching of Scripture that makes it abundantly clear that the salvation of a believer is absolutely secure. The reason you can't lose it is you don't own it. You didn't do it. God did. For example, consider the teaching of Jesus. In John chapter 5 and verse 44, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, believes in him who sent me has eternal life not might have not could have you hear the word you believe in the word you have eternal life not might have not could have it at least for now has very 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 clear terms that jesus is talking about and he says he does not come into judgment why? Because he's passed from death to life. And he can't go back. He's passed for death. My friends, that is the picture of a sinner lost. Jesus gives us new life, eternal life. And in John chapter 6, in verse 37 through 40, you know what Jesus says there? He says, it's the will of God. Listen to me. It is the will of God that no one is lost. In verse 37 of chapter 6, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Those are some pretty strong terms, aren't they? I will never cast out. Does that sound iffy there? <laughs> he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. But this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. That is God's plan of salvation. You hear, you believe, you are saved and secure. Secure in Jesus. Now in John chapter 10, we have another encounter where Jesus makes this abundantly clear. John chapter 10 and verse 24. We read, so the Jews gathered around him 
they were the antagonists of the day. And they said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Listen carefully. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. They will never perish. Never, 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 never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Because my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We are secure in Christ, my friends. Because the Father says so. Ain't nobody touching my people. Nobody's taking my people. And so here we have some snapshots of Jesus teaching on the matter. And then we go to the Apostle Paul. In Romans 8, Romans 8, the great chapter of Romans, chapter 8, and verses 29 to 38, my friends, I encourage you to turn there with me, because we're going to be here for a little bit. Romans 8, verse 29. And what we're going to discover is nothing can separate us from God's love. Look at here at verse 49 of Romans chapter 8. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He's talking about you. Predestined shows ahead of time. God chose you. What we'll see in the book of Ephesians is before the foundation of the world, before you could do anything good, bad, or indifferent. And he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. That's the Spirit's conviction in hell. Where you knew that you could not continue living a life that you were living, and you didn't need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, things needed to change. So, whom he predestined, he also called, and those who he called, he justified. Now, that word justified is really significant here. This is a corporal term. God, pointing his finger at you, declares you. Now what he sees is the righteousness of Christ has been put in our account. And so he foreknows us, he predestines us, he calls us, and one day he justified us, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. You see, this is God's plan beginning to end. He doesn't start and stop somewhere along the line. Those whom he foreknew and predestined, 
he will one day glorify. Absolutely secure, my friends. And then we come to verse 31. Now note this carefully. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> who can stand against you when you have, when God is standing with you? No. And look at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? You know that Jesus prays for you? I want you to think about how amazing that is. Not that generic stuff, those people in Indiana. He intercedes for the saints, my friends. He says, you know what, Father, you know what this person needs today? They need some adversity. Because, God, we want to grow this person up. And the only way to do it is to teach them to overcome. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! Verse 37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor presence, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that word, nothing? Nothing. Yeah, but what if nothing? Nothing. 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 Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. As we bring it home here, friends. Well, the sun is out. Well, let's slow this down a little bit. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at one sentence. It just happens to be verse 3 through 14. Paul is the master of the run-on sentence. But take a look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. This is very similar to what we read in Ephesians, or Romans chapter 8. But this is God's salvation. You see, you're not saved because you did something. You are saved here today, forgiven of your sin. God giving you power over sin, one day taking you out of the presence of sin. Not because of something you did. It's because of something he did. He is the one that deserves the glory of this. Look at here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
You see what happened here, my friends? The Father shows us before the foundation of the world. You ever wonder why me? The answer is God's grace. Oh yeah, he chose me so he could, no. He chose you because he is a God of grace. <laughs> he is a God of grace. So the Father chose us before the foundation of the world. You see, the salvation thing, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin from which you must be forgiven. Think about that. God, the Father, chose us. Then we see here in verse 5, In love he predestined us to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. There's that word adoption. He brought us into his family as sons. Why, why is it they're sons? Well, because that's what the inheritance was back in the day. Gals didn't get it so much back then, but the sons did. It don't matter if you're a man or woman or a girl or a boy. The adopted you as sons. The very, very best. Talking about inheritance. <laughs> and so he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace to which he has blessed us in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus. And in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The Father chose us. Jesus died for us. He died in our place to redeem us. To forgive us of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all the all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. You may have noticed that that phrase was repeated three times. The Father chose him. Praise of his glory. The Son died for us to the praise of his glory. And here in verse 13 through 14 we see that the Holy Spirit sealed us. The Father chose us. The Son died for us. Spirit seals. In him, that's Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. Look at this, friend. Highlight this, underline it, put it on your refrigerator. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. And there it is. Do you know why you're secure in Christ? It ain't you. It is God. This, my friends, is a great salvation that God has gifted us out of his grace. That's why they call it amazing grace. Because there is a great one on this planet that deserves, let alone the guy 
standing up here today. That is news. Now the concept of sealing, what's that all about? Well, there's three aspects to it. The first is ownership. You know, sealed by the Spirit of God because we belong to God. If you go in my library and open up a book to the front cover, you know, you'll see a stamp that says, property of me. Yeah, I think it says David A. McGrath or something. Like that. The library of David A. McGrath. Ownership. We put our names on things that belong to us. And the second aspect is a finished transaction. Boom. Done. Finished. All that needs to be done for you to be forgiven of your sin, to be justified before the Father. you are a gifted congregation. You know clearly what the gospel is. And so you can communicate it clearly. And the only thing missing from that occasion is whether or not you do it. It's Because this is a story worth telling. The great salvation of God. And finally, you ought to live it out. You ought to live it out. Engage it. Live that holy life. 
wholly committed to him. Every decision runs through the mill of, is this the will of God for my life? Does this honor my heavenly Father? Live it out. Live it out. Our Father in heaven, God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this great salvation of which none of us deserve. Every one of us here deserves an eternity in heaven. We would all acknowledge that. We are grateful for your great grace and your great mercy, withholding from us what we deserve and giving to us a great inheritance. <laughs> May this truth penetrate deep into our hearts. By your Holy Spirit, God, we pray that this will continue to beat in our minds, this great salvation. So much so that we would give you the gratitude, the thankfulness, Lord, that you deserve. And that we would tell others. Father, Jesus. And in an appropriate ending to our service here, my friends, we're going to sing. <laughs>